Guys, I'm getting married in just over a month to this beautiful woman. So I just want to say that it's, it's a massive honor to be able to speak and to also do it alongside Jordi. And what I'm, what I'm going to be speaking about, just it's amazing how God works and speaks in parables and metaphors. And in many ways, like Jordi and I are going through what a lot of God is speaking about with Christ and the bride and just how beautiful it is. And I don't take it lightly. So I just want to thank you and honor Gary and Louise for trusting me. I might say inappropriate jokes. I might not. Um, it's quite cool in worship as well. Thanks, Bron and the team. It was beautiful. In worship, Bron sang the song Defender. And before that, Louise came up to me and she just told me about God's delights in me. And for some reason, it broke me a little bit. And then I remembered Psalm 91. And in a portion of Psalm 91, um, God says that because we have delighted in him as his great lover, he greatly protects us. And so I just really feel this invitation into becoming that lover even more so than we are right now. The more that I see of God, the more I want him. It's like a holy dissatisfaction that, that sets inside of us. Where actually, I just want more of him. The more I see him, the more I grab a hold of his heart, the more I want. And it's a beautiful hunger to have. So I just want to say it's not a disclaimer, but I am not sure because... I work for the church and Gary asked me and I had to. I'm not here because I'm trying to become a preacher or a teacher or become an apostle or anything like that. Um, I, I'm here because I'm deeply and utterly in love with Jesus. And, and if I could just do what he asks me to do, if I could just say what the Father is saying, we will always get it wrong and that's the grace of it. We will always make mistakes, that's the grace of it. And that's, that's my story, it's your story. And the story of Jesus is the one that brings it all together to make something absolutely, phenomenally beautiful. And I see it in so many different lives. And I gave a picture this morning of somebody, my friend Connor, he's, a, he's an, a, another pastor in the city, young pastor, and he's got a fire up his bum for the kingdom. He is just wanting to go and change lives. And uh, his, his father handed over the church to him, and the picture that, that he told me is that it's like, his father, the next, the generation above him, is, has been running a race, and there's two batons in his hand. And he hands the, the batons over, and, and Connor, the next generation, grabs the batons but gives one back and says, can we do this together? And that's also, in essence, what I'm talking about today, is actually it's, it's stepping into the Father's heart, the vineyard of love that he's cultivating within us, and then saying, can we do this together? Can we cultivate the fruit together? Can we get rid of the little foxes together? So that's, in essence, what I'm going to share on. And I am going to speak a little bit into Song of Songs. I know that that is a, it's, it's wildly different in many perspectives. Some people do believe that Song of Songs is just a sexual love being expressed in its fullness. I think if that is the truth, it would be called Song of Thongs. <laughs> but <laughs> there it is. That's number one. Strike three and I'm out. But the fact that it's called Song of Songs, and it's also Song of Solomon, but the Song of Songs, I think it's pretty important. When Jesus is called the King of Kings, it's significant. He's the Lord of Lords. This is the song above every other song. A 
poetry of words on music. It's, it's, it's a picture, it's an invitation into a dance. And so it can be confusing sometimes, but I believe that it's simply complicated. Jordan always calls me simply complicated because I, I, do, I do have a lot of emotions for a man and she gets confused, but simply complicated and, and it's quite beautiful. So one of the psalms that have just really stuck with me this, this last season is Psalm 16. And I read it out of the Passion Translation because it is just wonderful the way that it's expressed. And the reality for all of us is that God is our maker, he's our mediator, and he's our master. That can't be taken away, even if you don't believe in him. That's what he is. He's our master, he's our mediator, and he's our maker. But then we do get a choice. We get to choose him. And that is a beautiful gift that, that Christ has given us, that we get to choose him. And so in, in this, the scripture, David, he, he says that I choose you alone as my inheritance, Lord. And so you become my prize, my pleasure, and my portion. That's what happens when we choose God. He becomes our ultimate prize. He's all we actually end up wanting and have always ever wanted. He becomes our portion, all we actually really need. Every other, other thing, every other pursuit begins to fall away. And he becomes that ultimate pleasure that we do try to find in other things. So it's that transition of trusting him so much that he's not just our maker, our mediator, and our master, but actually he becomes our prize, our pleasure, and our portion. And I think that that is, that is the beautiful dance that God has invited us into. It's not just the one. And I love that we've been going through Hebrew series. I, I even if you don't remember much, the fact that as a church we have been elevating King Jesus above everything else, that we cannot stand on anything else. There is no theology that we can stand on when Jesus is not the center. And so Jesus is king, and we need to stand on that foundation. And what's being deposited in, in, in this community is almost like a, a, a catapult into the, the amazingness of the gospel. But now Jesus is also our friend. He is also our beloved, our lover. Um, going off a tangent, but St. Augustine, one of the original church fathers, he, he wrote a hymn called Jesus, Our Lover. Jesus, My Lover. And throughout church history, um, church leaders began to change it to Jesus, My Savior. And though that isn't wrong, it separates what St. Augustine was really getting at, is that he is the lover of our souls. It's not just that I love God, that I love him. It's that I am his lover. It's a verb. You do it constantly every day. It requires vulnerability and, and tension. And that's just the amazingness of who God is. But in this, in this portion of scripture, it also says that um, the way you counsel and correct me makes me praise you more. For your whispers in the night give me wisdom, showing me what to do next. And I, f I find such great delight in that that he, actually his discipline is there so that, that his blessings don't crush me. His discipline is one of the most beautiful things. I think what happens is because of maybe how we've been fathered, sometimes we think his discipline means a puxla. We think it means a punishment, but actually his discipline is glorious and is a great invitation. So I've found in my relationship with God, I love his discipline. I love the moments where I spend with him and he, he, he tells me what he thinks of me. I read in scripture what he has said throughout the ages, what he has sung over me. But then when he sits me down and says, my boy, like, this is not who you are. 
the way that you spoke to Jordi is not, that's not what she deserves. She's my daughter. The way that you treated that is not who you are. And often he'll say, he'll speak to me about my motive. Why am I doing things? Because it often then determines the fruit. So I am really grateful for God's discipline and correction. And I love the way he does it too. He doesn't call me an idiot and tell me to get it right. He doesn't shout and scream and throw a tantrum. He invites me into correction. And guys, I really needed it. If you knew me as a kid, I know my mom. Hi, mom and dad. I know that my mom will listen to this um, and my dad. So they can testify to the scars. And my, my family was always known to be the ones that, oh, it's a Rawson again getting hurt. So I do a lot of stupid things. Very, very, Im, Im, I did. Well, we'll see, actually. I've got a video to show you. I really do. Um, but I did a lot of stupid things when I was a kid. Unfortunately, in high school, that did turn to doing a lot of impulsive, stupid things in the lines of sin. But also there's the, the boisterous, okay, I'm not like Bruce. I don't get eaten by rats and, and break my back and some, all these crazy things happen. Mine were very much my own choice. Um, so, so a few examples is when I was 10, um, it was the World Cup final when I think it was France playing Italy for the soccer, soccer World Cup final. And shame, my dad, he loves soccer. You can imagine he's, he's got his beer, he's ready, he's supporting. And then I decide to go outside and take my bike and go into the, the jungle, jungle gym and ride it down the slide a few times. Proper, proper bicycle. Um, so I, I took mine down and it was amazing. I, it was so much fun. I had, I had a good time. And then I thought, this isn't enough. I need, to, I need to go one step bigger. So I went and got my brother's bike. And then I took that one up. But it was too big that eventually I got up to the top. And it was just too big that I ended up falling off from the top of the thing. And I just fell straight on my back. Boom. And, you know, it's actually it's not that bad. You know, kids fall all the time. But then I looked up for a second, and then I just saw the bike come. And it was one of those older bikes where the, the rubber was not on the handle anymore. And then there was the sheets of metal went in, just in my head. It was just right there. Exactly. This is why I've got, I got a little scar here. So when I get angry, it shines red, and then I start speaking Indian. Oh my God. Yeah, it, 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 it was very sore, and there was just blood gushing out. One of my best friends, uh, who, again, I teased a lot of people, so they thought I was joking. So he just stood there, like, watching me, like, what's he doing? Uh, but there was literally blood just pouring on my head, and my dad had to come with me to the hospital. So, I mean, that's one. Um, the, hey, yeah, we, we, actually, we rocked up to the game and had blood drip, dripping down my face, and I thought I was cool. Other one is I punched one of my friends. We, we punched each other in a very boisterous game, and my finger pretty much went 90 degrees backwards. Um, I, I don't regret that one. It was funny. And it, we, we, I got to tease the teachers I could, uh, as I was walking to the office. I said, ma'am, where's the toilet? Is it that way? And she looked at my finger. <laughs> she, couldn't, she, she just told me to go away. I did. Um, I, I, have, I decided very stupidly to hang on the back of a taxi um, going on a highway, yeah. The taxi driver only figured it out once we got to the destination and he got into a lot of trouble. But God's grace saved me. I'm, I'm alive and I'm here. And I've also almost slipped off mountains way too many times by running on the top of it. So clearly, God has, has, has directed me and helped me through that. And the last one, I mean, I'm going to show you a video just because it's funny. And it, and it, it paints a picture of... 
I actually have, I haven't shown her, to be honest. <laughs> I think I showed my dad. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, not done. Push, no, push, pause, don't push, pause. Don't play it. Can you go to the beginning and I'll start it again? So they, if you go there, that rock on the corner, the top there, this doesn't have a, does it have a thing? Oh, there, that rock there. So this is in Claymont. George and I, we went, this was recently, I've got the beard and the hair, you can see. Uh, we went to Cape Town and we just, we love watching giant waves hit rocks. It, 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 for me, it speaks about the power of God and just, it's incredible. So we'll often go and watch just massive waves. And this is a spot that I went to as a kid where we would go and sit behind a rock and it would smash over you and it's beautiful. But I was standing on that rock um, thinking, oh, this is going to be cool. I get to watch a nice big wave up close. And I was standing there and I, I'm just being completely honest. I felt Holy Spirit say, move. Like I did it, the wave, was, the wave was the same size as the other ones, but I just said, move. And so I just turned around and started walking. And this is pretty much literally what happened in the moment. So, and wait, just listen to... Um, Jordy, she's laughing. I could have died. Um, but there's a scream, and that scream is me. That's, that's when I didn't know what was going to happen the next moment. So that would have been the last moment that I had, sounding like a hearty dog. And yeah, at the end, you can see my face, and I just say, dangerous. So just recognize that I've learned at the end. You can Look at that rock there. Boom. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know why it's doing it like that. It's not playing properly. Yeah, no, there wasn't, <laughs> wasn't much. She was more scared of the splashes. So that's... I, I did a lot of stupid, impulsive things, but my friend also asked me this weekend, Dad, would you ever get a bike? And I just said, uh, no, I wouldn't. I'd love one, but I wouldn't um, because it's unwise. And he, he, he just said to me, Chiste, are you wise? And I say, I'm not wise. Holy Spirit is wise. And I'm just a chop that learns how to listen. So now, I, at least I move. Yeah, exactly. But this is just the beauty of God in, in our relationship with him, that he takes us through. He takes us through from, from making bad decisions into his realm, into his love. And so often I can speak about this because it is something that we all go through. We are predominantly body, soul, and spirit. We obviously know what our spirit is. We know what our body is. And our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so often when we're led by our emotions, we haven't yielded ourselves to the spirit of God, to Holy Spirit. We can often find ourselves led by our souls. And when we're led by our souls, all of us can testify to this. There's three things that happen naturally. It's, there's, it, it, it turns into inaction, bad action, and distraction. So if you think about those three things, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and all of us do, are prone to follow a certain part because of just the way that God has made us, but then he's brought Holy Spirit to bring us so that our old man dies and now we cannot follow Jesus. But if you are predominantly, like me, just led by emotions, I feel something and I'm, I go for it impulsively. I want to do this, I want to do that. That is often what happens when there's bad action that then goes ahead. There are some of us that are led by our wills. Um, the people who are strong-willed, who, who say, I'm going to earn a million by the end of the year, or I am going to do this race no matter what. And sometimes what that can lead to is that it's distraction from God's will, because now we've placed 
ourselves in that position. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to fulfill it. And then, obviously, the last one is if you're led by your thoughts. Analysis paralysis, you go down the wrong pathways, and you just cycle yourself out of things. And often that can lead to inaction. So I want to just not just leave it there, because in order to be led by the Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit. We need him desperately. He is our helper, our advocate. He is the one we need. He is a, he is a friend. And so I want to read from Galatians 5, where it actually talks about the Holy Spirit, who is our victory. So as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. And it goes on to describe all of the, the things that are unhelpful. But then he says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its various expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of the Spirit. And so I, I, I think there's something beautiful a lot of people have caught onto where they say, if you pray for patience, God is going to send you a situation for you to be patient. And I do love that. I think, I think it's powerful. But I think one step back is that he sends, he allows you to go through something, but then you've got to choose Holy Spirit. You can't just be patient. I mean, we've heard this preached a lot from this pulpit, that you can't just be kind. You actually need the one who is kind. You need the one who is patient. You need to be with the one who is peaceful. And so that's just an, it's an, it's a, an encouragement that actually we can do nothing without Holy Spirit. We really desperately need him. And whenever Jesus is glorified, Holy Spirit is there. To keep our eyes fixated on Jesus, on his eyes, on who he says we are, and then we begin to see this. So I think it's wonderful, and I love that this is the fruit of the Spirit. It says that we will be known for one thing, and what is that? Our love. Brown, I think it was, Brown was also, some of you saying in the prayer meeting about, you know, we, Laura, about, you know, we can do all these amazing things, heal, miracles, all the stuffs, but if we don't have love, we're like a clanging symbol. So we will be known for our love, but what does love look like? And this is the fruit. So in essence, what is being said is we will be known for our fruit. It's a beautiful thing. I, we were at Greg and Maria's house last night, and we had fruit salad. And I, I, was, I was just sitting there thinking about, oh, I'm preaching about this tomorrow. <laughs> like, like this, the fruit is delicious. It's sweet. It's wonderful. And in many ways, we, this community is a fruit salad. We, <laughs> fruit cakes. But it's amazing that we all bring it to the table. We can't choose as well what we want. We can't choose. I'm just going to be kind because, you know, I'm not very good at being patient, so I'll just be kind. Actually, the fruit is all of it. So coming to, to Song of Songs, to tie together what I'm talking about with fruit and why fruit is so beautiful and important, Josh has fruit. He has sweet fruit. It's um, one of my favorite portions of, of Song of Songs, and it's, it's in Song of Songs 2. This is something that I've, I've worked through in my relationship with the Lord, and 
just to further touch on Song of Songs. This is what I believe because I've read it and I've been impacted by Jesus in it and has changed my life, so I see fruit in it. Is that Song of Songs is a depiction of Christ and his bride. It's also a depiction of my love as a future husband for my future wife and that process, the bride-to-be. It is the love of the Father being lavished on sons and daughters. It is that relationship. It's not just one. It's not two-dimensional. It's, it's, it's three-dimensional. It's interwoven, and it's beautiful, and it's a dance. And in many ways, if you do read it, I encourage you to read it in the Passion Translation because he's really gone into the context of the Hebraic mindset, the symbols which we've lost um, understanding of, and actually goes back into what that really means. So when I was reading it, I was being completely undone. <clears throat> in, the, in the beginning, uh, the start of the song, it's, it's almost Jesus saying to this bride who feels so unworthy that you're beautiful. And she's saying, no, but I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm unworthy. You're a king, and I, I'm not worthy of you. I'm a laborer. I'm, I can't. But he just says, but you're so lovely. But you are so lovely. And eventually she gets won over because she feels the, the, the love of this king. And then there becomes this dance of her starting to realize, I am truly his rose. And obviously the rose of Sharon is depicted as the church, the rose. And so when she comes into identity, and Ryan Matthews was talking about this, the catalyst event of when we are able to, to declare who is Jesus, the Messiah, that's when shifts come. When we know who he is, then we begin to know who we are. So she begins to say, I am truly his rose. And, and there's this beautiful dance between them two. And this portion that gets me every time, and every time I go through it, God takes me deeper. And this is the grace of it. He says that, let me see your... And I haven't memorized what today. I've, I've, I've just dug in it so much that it's, it's in me now. And it helps me all the time. He says, let me see your radiant face. Let me hear your sweet voice. How lovely your eyes in prayer. How lovely your eyes in worship. And how beautiful your voice in prayer. And then it goes on to say... Will you catch the troubling foxes, the sly little foxes that come to ruin our budding vineyard of love that is planted within you? Then he goes on to say, will you catch them and remove them? And then he says, well, we'll do it together. I think it's wonderful how he just wants to see us. He just wants us to come to him. He's not a taskmaster. If you think about a taskmaster in a field, the laborers are working. He doesn't go to them face to face and looks in the eye and tells them how amazing they are and says, okay, but can you also please do this? He's saying, hey, fix the pipe, please. That's not God. He's not saying, hey, catch the foxes. They're annoying me. He first wants us to come to a place of, will you talk to me, my boy, my girl? Will you tell me who I am as I tell you who you are? And then from that place, he talks about the little foxes. Now, the little foxes, they come, but... They've come because there's fruit. So the little foxes have been revealed because there's fruit. There's goodness already. There's wonders already. The foxes aren't there when there's no fruit. In the same way that in John 15, I might read it, I might not, but in John 15, it talks about the Father's the gardener. Jesus is the vine. It's him. It's always been him. As we remain in him, fruit comes. But then he rewards fruit with pruning. Sometimes we feel that, that cutting off in our lives, there are obviously the moments we haven't been stewarding our hearts with the Father, and, and we have to come back to Him. 
but there are also moments that he takes us deeper and he begins to prune us because there's fruit, because there's a greater harvest. There's a greater potential of his love that is waiting to be manifest. I mean, that's why this church is going to keep growing and keep growing in love for God. There'll be pruning because there's a greater harvest. So he rewards fruit with pruning. And the fruit also reveals where there might be foxes. And so do you guys think that you have foxes in your lives? So I think it's also important to articulate what those foxes are. Because they're the sly little foxes that come to ruin our vineyard. If you already just know without God what those foxes are, most of us will say, oh yeah, it's that person. That person's the fox. They come and they ruin my stuff. Oh, it's, that per- it's what they said. It's this annoying boss. And I'm going to slide a... <laughs> Talking about Paul. No, Paul's lovely. The reality is that the vineyard is us. We are each the bride of Christ. We are being pursued and relentlessly pursuing the one who has saved us and loved us from the very beginning. And that's, that's, that's the story. And so now we all are the vineyard. We are a community of vineyards. Picture Stellenbosch from, from a, an aerial view. That it's the, the wine capital of almost the world because there's so many beautiful vineyards and rolling hills. But each vineyard is different, carries a different name, a different identity. And so we all are vineyards. But that vineyard is your relationship with the Father. I'm, I'm, I'm proposing this, I'm sliding across the table, that the enemy cannot touch that. The enemy only has power to what you give agreement to. If you believe you're worthless, you've given him power to come and create turmoil in you, and you begin to feel worthless and you act on that. I've been there. I'm pretty sure you've all been there. Some of you might be there right now. And there's a grace in today that you're not meant to be here at this master winemaker. You're meant to just come before him and say, okay, help me, God. I don't know how to catch these little foxes. And I was chatting to Gary and Louise about it and, um, well, at the admin meeting. It's not that we have to go and hunt them down. He says, catch them. So in many ways, the father reveals them. He's just asking us, will we grab hold of it with the authority that we have been given to repent and actually say, I will no longer believe this. I chuck it out of my, my relationship with you, Father. But there is also reality where you think about a vineyard and, and the fences of a vineyard on the outside. We all are tempted. Again, I'm pretty sure everybody here has been tempted and has given into it, and it's, you can feel the pain of what happens. The enemy will do everything he can to get you to leave your vineyard of love with the Father. That you, your, your Jesus is no longer your portion. It's not that you choose that, but we do believe it, so you go and find it somewhere else. Lust, greed, anger, gluttony, all these things is because actually, you know what, I don't have enough here, I'm going to go there. And often what happens is we have little foxes in our lives that we haven't dealt with yet, that it looks like there's no point in being because there's no fruit. But I can, I can employ you to go look and actually see, was there ever fruit in your life? It probably there is. And so these little foxes are really important to start to catch with the Father. They are little things like pressure. This is one that I went through the most recent where I asked God to reveal in my heart, Father, what is, what is it in my heart that is causing this? Because I felt this immense amount of anxiety when I was leading life group, when I was leading worship, I was pressing into God's presence. I was like, I was pushing in, but there was an anxiety attached to it. And it was tiring and it was draining. 
um, and I just kept falling over. And I just needed to understand, God, what is getting in this relationship of love with you? And I felt him say that, it's, that I've allowed pressure into my relationship with him. And then in pressure, in my life in this moment, came anxiety, procrastination, and fear of the future. So I was constantly just stressing about things. And I asked him, how can we catch this together? And so first he always wants our yes, just as, as, as it's said in the, in the songs. Will you catch and remove them for me? Question mark. He's waiting for your answer first. And then he says, okay, but now we do this together. You're never alone. He just wants your yes. Because I think I, I did this. I know um, the reason I did this, Dylan did it, is that if somebody else could do it for me and I could do it, it would be nice if they could just do it. So now just kind of give it over. My mom, bless her, her soul, she did many of my projects. Because I would just go, Mom, can I ask you a question? Like, how do you do this? It's so amazing. And then I just start walking away slowly. And she did it. And I did very well in high school. Well, primary school mainly. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. But he's asking, will we do it? Our yes is one of the most important things we have. Our no is one of the most important things we have. So will you catch them with me? And so in this process, I ask God, how do I do this? Because it's, you know, it's nice to pray about it, but I'm... Challenging most people here, we don't listen very well. There are tools, there are journaling tools, there are ways to hear God. And if you believe today that you can't hear God, you're really struggling to, that's the, that's the lies of the enemy. And there are people to help. There are many of us who have been on the journey to actually help. How do I hear the Father's voice? How do I discern it? And so he spoke to me and he said, okay, what we're going to do, and I am very metaphorical, it's the way God speaks to me, and I've grown to love it. Some people won't get it, and that's totally okay. God speaks in unique ways. But he showed me the vineyard, and he showed me what it looked like. And he said, okay, we're going to set traps. Pressure is cunning. Pressure will come to steal. Pressure is fast. So because of the pressure, there's come anxiety. Because of the pressure, there's come procrastination. Because of that, there's come fear of the future. So we are going to attach to the symptoms, and that's going to lead to pressure for us to kick out. And so I felt him say, Dale, to anxiety, attach hope. To procrastination, attach peace in the present. And to fear the future, attach joy. So in, it sounds very, oh, that's simple. You know, that's like Bible school kind of stuff. But actually, when I heard him say it, I knew this is the key. I got this. So when anxiety came, I just started prophesying his hope. I, I leapt into his hope. I went into the scriptures of hope. When it's procrastination... Um, I'm, I put the prone procrastination. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a degree by the end of the year, and I don't know how I'm getting it. It makes no sense. Um, yeah. But I did all those, and sooner than later, it, I, I felt that pressure just start to leave. It left. Because me and the father caught it and sent it away. So I really do want to encourage you that you all have vineyards of love, and it is Jesus. It will always be Jesus. No matter how young, how old you are, how much you've been through, how little you've been through, it will always come back to, are you remaining in Jesus? As his words remain in you. I know that Christian charismania has hurt a lot of people. A lot of people are, don't come to church. A lot of my generation, especially the generation just above me, do not come to church. Some valid reasons, some not. But 
when they are sons and daughters abiding in Jesus, I can't, I can't see it going the wrong way. When you're truly abiding with Jesus. And I believe when I've witnessed people move in miracles but still have that loving look in their eyes, who aren't arrogant, who don't claim to be certain titles, who just love outrageously and also see God's miracles. I mean, like a Todd White is, is one of the guys that I, I, would, I put there because everyone can see a Todd White. And it's often because they are with Jesus that his words remain in them. And when they begin to declare things, it's not from a place of, oh God, I really hope that you heal this person as I'm praying for them. Or this like, please heal. There's just such an abiding of the love of Jesus that actually something happens in the spirit that we don't understand. And I believe that we can all get there as believers. But how do you remain in him and how do you create that love? I wish I could give you crazy theological answers, but actually it's super simple. And in many ways I'm just encouraging you. As a young man who's going to go through many struggles, will fall, but will want to stand according to this, is that I'll remain in him. I'll find my love in him. In marriage, I'll find my love in him. And it's that it takes time, intentional time, hard work, and devotion. And definitely a lot of yieldedness. Yieldedness to acknowledging where I'm wrong. I'm being arrogant, being prideful. And so it's a beautiful invitation. So I just want to start to land in this. It's one of the scriptures that I've carried think for the past eight years and everything's always fed back into it is love the Lord your God with all your heart all your mind all your soul all your strength and then love your neighbor as yourself Uh, Chris Valentin I'm I'm quoting him so I don't get into trouble he says you know in order to love your neighbors you got to have a big ass love your neighbor as yourself (laughs) It's, it's, it's actually a Gary joke sorry but I think it's powerful that we do have to love ourselves in order to love other people. If you don't love yourself and you're loving your neighbor, you should probably stop because you're probably not doing it very well. And probably coming from the wrong motive as well. We can't produce the fruit by ourselves. We can't. It's going to taste like the fake fruit that we see on tables. And people can see it. I'm telling you, this younger generation, they shop. Hey, Cardi? They watch. We watch for everybody. I know people watch me. And when I get it wrong, hopefully, then I, I apologize or I, I, I see my faults. But we're watching people. And is there fruit? Are they loving? Are they kind? Do they preach amazingly or lead worship amazingly on a Sunday, but then during the week, how are they? What does it feel like when they look in your eyes? And that's Jesus. It can only come through Jesus. I think that's, that's what we want to bring to others. Carly brought quite a cool word about um bikes coming alongside a, a car and revving and creating this energy. And even now, as like there's the atmosphere, there's a, there's a peace, but a weightiness. And it's a good weightiness because the love of God is weighty and in the most beautiful way. It requires us to actually give everything or then we end up dropping it. And I'm sorry, I'm going to call you Carly Davison from now on. Of the, <laughs> boom, boom. Yeah, a, a really powerful word. But the younger generations are looking at that. They want to see, is this real? Is this worth it? 
So to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength, you need to be loved by Him. I, this is a small revelation, but I've always glanced past it and thought, okay, it's amazing, love your neighbors yourself, but why would God have to tell you to love your neighbors yourself? It clearly means that we don't. Even if we love by God, even if we have this beautiful relationship with Him, we can still stagnate and just sit. Because God's love was never meant to just fill a dam and let it sit. God's love was always meant to have a river flowing through us, rivers of living waters. That is the Holy Spirit flowing through us, from heaven through us. Because I think most people would know that actually believing in Jesus, foundational, will get you to heaven. But now receiving Holy Spirit, you have to. And there's not a trick to it, but that's now heaven getting into us. We don't want to just get to heaven and have that security. I want, I want heaven in me. I want heaven in us. So love God with all your heart. Be loved by him. And from that place, we can love. So to become the beloved, I really encourage you to start reading Song of Songs through a new lens. Of Actually, this is a loving dance. And it's not an emotional thing. It's not a, uh, I'm not trying to not be a boykey. But actually, all of us are meant to be devoted to the Father and to bring him our whole hearts. And so I know that I will walk through this as I, as I journey and get older and become a dad and there will be new elements that I will learn from the people here and from God. But we can do it. And so to land, I would like to just bring this scenario across because we're all in different spaces. We all have an invitation before us. So how many of you like to go to the doctor? Jordan. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan. It's your son. So there might be more reasons why you don't like going to the doctor, but these are the these are five reasons why I think most of us would not want to go to the doctor. So let's start with the first one. Money. Just don't have the money for it, can't go to the doctor. The next one is don't have the time. Just too busy, can't fit it in. That's why Gary Gary just can't go to the doctor. That's why he married Louise, who is a doctor. <laughs> Other reason is fear of pain. I think the dentist is one of those. It's, it's an uncomfortable feeling going to the doctor. It smells weird, and it's just not a nice feeling. So fear of pain or being uncomfortable. Fear of your future. You know, if you go to the doctor, you might get bad news. So sometimes we just avoid hearing the negative so we can just carry on doing what we're doing. I think, we, I think that's a lot of us, actually. Or, I'll just do it myself. Yeah, yeah. Jenna, where are you, Jenna? Yeah. We do it ourselves. I'll, just, I'll, I'll do it myself or self-medicate where you clearly need to go to the doctor. And so in our relationship with the Father, a lot of us don't go to God to deal with the little foxes, to get real with him about where we're at. And it's for different reasons. So now to break down those different ones, money, time, fear of pain, fear of future, pride, look in yourself with the Holy Spirit of actually what, what is the thing that stops me? So money is provision. It actually, I don't have enough to come to God. Another one is, is time. Actually, you're too busy. How many of us sometimes get too busy for God? And then we don't come to Him and we really desperately need Him. The fear of pain. Sometimes we don't go to God because we worry that he's going to 
make things uncomfortable. We're going to have to deal with some stuff in our hearts, and it's not so that to look at stuff in our hearts and it's uncomfortable. Obviously, I can tell you the scriptures of you know Holy Spirit's comforter, but it's the reality. You've got to step into that. It's risky, but it's worth it every time. Fear of what might happen next, what he might ask you to do. You might have to lay down some things because he's saying, no, you need to go on a new journey. You need to give up that job. You need to start this. Or pride. Oof, that one. I'll just do it myself. I'll just fix myself. I won't go to church because I just want to fix myself. I want to deal with stuff. I've got so much shame. I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to start doing other things to, to ease my, my conscience, get some endorphins going. It's all stuff we go through. And so now, which one, which one stops you from going to the Father? Because there's, there's an invitation for him to say, okay, let me meet you there at that place. But just like he wants our yes first, he just wants you to acknowledge, this is where I am, Lord. Thank you for your kindness that has revealed where, I am at, where I'm at. But now we get to repent, turning back to his eyes, to Jesus. Turning back to the face of Jesus. And just like Wes spoke about, the face of Jesus is everything. We talk about the presence of God, but the only word that can describe it is face. So we come to his face. We often want the tingly feelings of like, okay, the God's working now because I've got the shivers. That's amazing. I think that is the move of the Spirit. We're not going to undermine the move of the Spirit when we actually feel him moving tangibly. But are you maybe ignoring his voice because you so want that, where he's speaking? Or are you ignoring his face because you just want him to touch you, but you're actually not postured towards him? So I'm going to end there. And I just want to pray over you as, as you invite Holy Spirit to highlight which one of those you might be at and where you are. And not to leave it on a somber note, but actually that his love is so gracious that in this room there is treasures of gold, golden threads woven throughout our lives that he's going to pull on. He's not done with you yet. The best is still yet to come, and there's so much glorious goodness that he's bringing out. So focus on his goodness because he's smiling. He says, come, let me see your eyes in worship. Let me hear your voice in prayer. He loves you so deeply. Jesus loves you so profoundly. So Lord, I just thank you. I thank you, God, that it's not in my striving to earn fruit, to be better, to get what I need to survive. God, that everything we ever needed has always been found inside of you. The provision for our families, Father, the joy for our families, the breakthrough, it's all found inside of you. Thank you that when we delight in you as our great lover, you protect us fiercely. You protect us profoundly. And you will never let us go. May we not come to you just because of what we want or what we can get. But may we come to you because we see Jesus. You are so worthy. Because we see what you did. And we recognize the weight of it, but the freedom that it comes with. So right now, I just released an anointing for the Father's voice to come into the stories. To come in and lead us where that vineyard of love grows in fruit. 
where this church begins to blossom with fruit. That there is the fragrance of heaven that comes down and changes the atmosphere. Where we get to come alongside our neighbors and give tools on how to deal with the little foxes. And I just declare right now in a, a, a breakthrough in relationships where the blame game has become so prevalent we blame other people for the loss of fruit in our lives. May you forgive. May you give up your right to be offended as you step back into your vineyard and focus on the fruit. So Jesus, have your way as we just yield to you. As we focus on you, as we worship you, Jesus, you are so glorious. You've never left. You've never gone far. Your voice is ever present. Thank you for the song of songs. The invitation to dance to a melody that you've been singing from the very beginning of creation over everybody in this room. That he has an outstretched hand ready to pull you into a dance and he's leading it. Will you follow? Will you just say yes and see where it goes? Will you give up your desires for his desire? Will you give up your desires for his desire? prisoners and slaves of fear we no longer have the fear of not being good enough but we have been given the spirit of full acceptance through you Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I acknowledge you in this place I acknowledge you as equal that you are walking that you are touching that you are ministering that you are redesigning Holy Spirit is redesigning what you think your heart looks like thank you that you are the comforter and I just speak his comfort into this room right now where there is an uncomfortable feeling where the things inside of us begin to shake. It is a glorious thing. Because he reveals that which he wants to heal. He allows in his wisdom that which he could prevent in his power. He allows us to see, to grab hold of, to choose him. Holy Spirit, breathe right now. Breathe right now. Where there's willing hearts, breathe. 
come alive. Come alive again.